This is the Life of Jesus podcast with Ben Greenbaum and Mark Alcesser. For a full year, we're looking at the life, teachings, and works of Jesus from the four Gospels put together in one chronological flow. Ben, last time we, we looked at Jesus' two parables, the tales of two men, the younger son and older son in the prodigal son story, and the rich man and Lazarus in Luke 16. And today we continue in the Gospel of Luke into chapter 17, and we're going to look at our living in the now and not yet kingdom, because we're in between the times of his resurrection and his second coming, with patient persistence. Let's try that for a theme today. And, uh, you know, this is going to be released on Independence Day on the 4th of July. It's on a Monday this year. Uh, You got, like, any Fourth of July traditions that you're into, uh, you know you you grew up in the South, dude. I, I, we used to have to drive to the South to get fireworks because there was nothing but sparklers in Indiana when I was a kid. So we'd have to go south, and it was always the stop in Tennessee where we could uh, do something that was a little more exciting than a sparkler. Uh, um, what, you know, what, what's your Fourth of July background or something you like to do these days? You know, well, I'll tell you. Um, yeah, the the one time I did get arrested as a teenager, it was oh, over. This is a good story. It was already. over fireworks, right? They used to sell these things called mammoth smoke bombs. They wouldn't do it today. It would be like a satellite, like a terrorist act to have these things legalized today. But yeah, yeah, I had somebody, uh, a buddy of mine, Jeff. Um, we drove past the Winn Dixie, and he rolled one out the back of my mom's wagon as I was driving the getaway car. And uh, how big are these things? They're huge, like to where it like engulfed the entire uh, front walkway. Um, no smoke got into the building, though when the 10 police officers pull, pulled this over, I kid you not, <laughs> I kid you not, uh, when the police officers pulled us over, um, the thing that they had told us was that we had set off the sprinkler system inside the Winn-Dixie, Oops. and it was, you know, can your parents afford, uh, afford the destruction? And... Uh, and so, yeah, thankfully the sprinkler system did not go off. No harm was done. Uh, everything worked out. I have no record. Uh, and so, uh, all is, all is well. All, all is well. It was yeah. just one of these, uh, things that your dad had some words with you. My actually crazy enough. I, f- I feel so bad for my poor mother because my dad had, had passed away a month before oh, that. Hey. So my dad had died in November. And then in December, uh, a couple of days after Christmas, I got to call my mom from the local police station uh, so that she could come pick, pick me up. No, and, no wonder she came to Christ. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Oh my gosh, my poor mother. Yeah. So anyway, nowadays I'm a lot, you know, I'm a little bit more uh, low key on my 4th of July uh, celebration. other people. Yeah. Yeah. From everything, from getting arrested for a smoke bomb to one time I had, they used to sell these things called M80s. I don't think they sell them anymore. I had one blow up in my hand one time and I went into shock and thought I had blown my thumb off, but thankfully that had not happened. Yeah. We Um, had a kid use an M80 and he blew up a toilet in the uh, guy's locker room at the school (laughs) in high school. Right. So no wonder they've outlawed those things. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, now it's just uh, burgers and watching uh, my neighbors uh, shoot off fire. Yeah. We we live in a a big neighborhood and and behind our house is the community park. 
And if you go out in the middle of that, 360 degrees around you, all the neighbors are shooting off fireworks. I literally don't have to go anywhere to see about every firework known to mankind. They're, they're going everywhere. So I don't, we, we have a couple of interns this summer at our church. They're from Africa. And so I was explaining to them there will be no reason to come into work on the 4th of July because it's our Independence Day. And they looked a bit confused. And I said, well, in your country, in Burundi, do they have a, a day when you recognize your independence? And they said, oh, yes, oh, yes. And so they, they understood that. They just didn't know the, the term the 4th of July because this is their first 4th to be in the States. So it's, a, it's something we all have different meanings that we've attached to that. Along the way, so happy Independence, happy and safe and non-arrested Independence Day to all of our listeners. All right, and if you do, keep it under ten officers or that are pulling you, <laughs> pulling you over, because you don't want to break the record that we've established already. So Jesus is here in in Luke seventeen. We've been several weeks in Luke in these section, the section of Luke that is largely only in Luke. And here he is in Luke chapter 17, verse 1, talking about authentic faith. Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. I, I think many times this first sentence is kind of tossed aside to get to the next one because it's got such large imagery in it. Mm -hmm. But this sentence is one to stop on. Things that, are, that cause people to stumble are bound to come. But woe to anyone through whom they come. It's not just the, the things of the world that we have to be careful of. It's when we promote them, mm -hmm. when we are the ones who introduce them to other people, when we help bring them about. There's a, well, Jesus said it right there, that, that, that's a woe. In fact, he goes on, verse 2, it would be better for them, that is the people through whom these things, these stumbling points come, it would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck. That's uh, quite an image. The millstone you know, grinds, grinds up the grain. It, they were massively heavy. I mean, it's... It would be instant death, of course, instant drowning. It would be better to have that than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. Don't cause people to stumble. So watch yourselves. Why do you think Jesus is, is giving this kind of attention to his disciples as he's preparing to, to die and and then when he ascends into heaven, he's going to hand over the church to them, uh, and they're going to be leaders. And I think by extension, it, it comes even to us today as we lead in ministry. What's Jesus driving at with this passage? That they need to be uh, careful. One of the one of the things that that Christ is warned against, and it will be a persistent warning throughout uh, the New Testament itself is to be on guard uh, against false teaching. And so as we go and we seek to proclaim Christ, as we seek to uh, proclaim uh, the gospel message, uh, everything that we teach, that we preach, 
everything has to be aligned with God's self-revelation. I never want to proclaim something that is outside the, the will or desire of God. Um, you know, we want to uh, nurture hearts. I want my own heart uh, nurtured near to the heart of Christ to come to, to love that which he loves more, you know, more fully, that my heart would more fully be captured by those things. And so the idea of, uh, I'll tell you, there is nothing more humbling than, uh, than preaching. Hmm. Because uh, for me, like, there is a, uh, the, the want, the desire, not that God doesn't redeem what is said and, and proclaimed, but I never want to speak in a manner that cuts against the glory of God, the truth of God, the love of God. And so to that end, I, I must lay myself under his objective truth and seek to proclaim that in all of its, all of its fullness and all of its beauty. Um, because I, I don't want to be the reason why someone is led astray. Yeah, that's a good point. In the proclamation of the word, even in the living of our lives, mm -hmm. as we, you know, there's a, I think there's a tendency for a lot of us today in church leadership to go with what's popular. And that would be true probably of many Christians in America today to take the 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 topics, the issues, or the theology that seems to be popular, and promote those. And this is a word that we we need to think through deeply before we just repost something yeah. or or reproclaim something in life that seems to be popular in culture, but might or we need to make sure that it is in alignment with God and not simply in alignment with what others are saying, right? Yeah, and I think a lot of times, uh, sadly, whether it's cultural ideology, uh, political ideology, whatever it might be, oftentimes those are the things that inform our theology, sadly, that inform our understanding of who God is. And so, uh, so often what we do is, based upon existing ideologies that we might have, we try to constrain God within our own box rather than allowing God to shape us. Um, and so that, that's a huge, a huge struggle, uh, I, I think, within any context, with whatever cultural uh, ideologies that are existing or political ideologies or whatever else uh, there might be, is am I humbling myself before uh, some cultural ideology or am I humbling myself before God's self-revelation? Good word. So he said, watch yourselves. And more, more language in there about forgiveness and and the increase of faith. Let's jump down to verse 20, though, because he here begins to talk about his return. Luke 17, verse 20, once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Then his, he said to his disciples, the time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man. Again, that's a term he used for himself, but you will not see it. People will tell you, there he is, or here he is. Do not go running off after them. For the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning, which flashes the lights up 
the sky from one end to the other. A good portrayal there of Independence Day. The first, but first he must suffer many things and re, be rejected by this generation. So, you know, he's, he's really warning us about, about making our own declarations about when the kingdom of God will be fully realized, when Jesus will return, and, and saying, we've got it all, we've got the inside track to all of that. Why is that, why is that such an interesting thing for, I don't know if it is for a lot of people, but there are some very vocal people who do seem to really get into trying to figure out exactly if, if this is the day or how many days there are left or how many years there are left or calculating the return of Christ. Um, we've talked about this, I know, already, but I, I'm still, I'm, you, you didn't satisfy me, I guess, with your answer. Like, <laughs> I'm just not a satisfied person on this topic. I, it's, it puzzles me because he's so clear yeah. that we, we just don't know. Yeah, I have no no clue. Every generation has thought that their generation uh, since the you know since the ascension, every generation has pretty much believed that they were uh, living in the time of of Christ's return. And so, you know, as we talked about, I think uh, in a previous podcast, the the day and time we're not meant to know, so that we would live. I mean, ultimately, we're going to live with urgency um, that we're going to treat His return as imminent. One of the funniest things that ever happened to me in, in ministry was when Savannah, my oldest, was, she was, I think she was five. She was a kindergartner, and she was in service when I was preaching, and I was preaching on a passage in Revelation and talking about the, the return of Christ and, and the beauty of his return, the new heavens, the new earth. There'll be no more te- tears. There'll be no more sin. There'll be no more brokenness, grief, pain, death. We'll all be swallowed up. And about uh, two weeks later, uh, Sherry, my wife, she comes bolting through the door. Uh, she and Savannah had gone grocery shopping or something. They, she comes bolting through the door and she's like, your daughter has questions for you. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. And so Savannah comes walking in her little five-year-old self and she's like, daddy, when's Jesus coming back? And I'm like, well, honey, I, I don't know when Jesus is coming back. And she's like, well, why don't you know? You're the preacher. How do you not know this? And I was like, well, I was like, there's a, a, a piece in scripture where Jesus himself says that he himself doesn't know the day of his return, but only the, the father uh, knows of his return. Um, and then, uh, then Savannah, uh, my just sweet, sweet child, she said, but daddy, when Jesus does come back, everything will be perfect, right? And I'm like, yeah, everything will be perfect. And she's like, nobody will die anymore and we won't, we won't cry. We won't feel pain. I'm like, right. Everything will be perfect. And, uh, she's like, and nobody will will sin or do bad things anymore. And I'm like, that's exactly right, honey. Nobody will sin or do bad things anymore. She's like, and dad, that means that we won't do, we won't do bad things anymore. Like we won't sin either. And I'm like, you're right, hon. I was like, we won't sin either. We'll be made perfect as well. And she's like, I can't wait for Jesus to come back. And I'm like, amen, kiddo. I can't wait either. Um, that being said, we need to live as if he is coming back tomorrow. And so I want to live with urgency, live into his call to go and to make disciples, to make him known, to bear witness uh, to him. And so, yeah, we don't know the day or time. I do not understand the absolute fascination that some people have with trying to discern the day or time. 
what I read from this text and from the other text is when he returns, we'll know it. It's not going to be hidden from us. We're going to know that it has happened. Yeah, because in verse 34, just peeling one thing out, I tell you on that night, two people will be in one bed, one will be taken and the other left. I think you'll know it. Right. (laughs) Right. That's an image. Well, let's skip down to Luke chapter 18 and, and wrap this thing up with this one. And that is the parable of the persistent widow. And, and the reason, uh, it's sometimes called the parable of the unjust judge. And the reason I wanted to, to put this in here is because just like with the faith passage at the beginning of this podcast, having the faith of a mustard seed and, and forgiving people and, and, and all of that, like making sure you don't do things that cause people to stumble. And then in the middle of that, Jesus says, you have no idea when I'm coming back, just be prepared. And then in Luke 18, as Luke records it, Jesus is once again talking to them about being persistent. It's like as we're patient for the return of Christ, whether it's in a day, a week, or a thousand years from now, we are to have this ongoing persistence in our pursuit of God. It's in Luke 18, verse 1, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time, the judge refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. He's kind of worried about this woman in the story. Jesus tells these stories, that they're kind of wonky sometimes, as you have to think about what his point is. In verse 6, he drives at the point, the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones? who cry out to him day and night. Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, when he returns, will he find faith on the earth? This parable is an interesting one to have here in the context of at least our topic that we're, we're trying to drive at today, that we don't know when Christ is coming back, but we're called to have this, this undying faith and a persistent kind of prayer life that goes after God and goes after God and goes after God and doesn't give up and never gives up. What would it take, do you think, to engender that kind of passion for prayer in the lives of believers today. You know, sadly, so much of our, our prayer lives are, uh, are conditioned or, or compelled by the, the brokenness, ultimately, uh, of the world. Um, rather than being in persistent prayer, really, I think, for the things of God, uh, that we are conditioned by our relationship with God uh, to pray uh, to, to pray for, for the justice that is inherent to his kingdom, uh, to pray for my life, uh, to be my, you know, my personal life to be more reflective 
of, of his kingdom ethic. Um, you know, because sadly so much of our, our prayer lives are, are motivated, um, by the experiences in front of us rather than the God who has saved us. Yeah. Today's independence day when this is being released, right? We don't have a dependence day, do we? We don't. Well, we just say we are recognized and we're going to shoot off flares to remind us that we are dependent upon God for every breath. Right. It's an interesting thought. Maybe we should start a Dependence Day celebration. How do you think that would go over? You could bring back, you could bring back your smoke bomb. <laughs> right. It, it would be found quite odd, right? <laughs> um, because in that, that's part of it. And again, from a, a cultural standpoint, one, one of the things that we prize is we prize uh, not only independence, but the, the sense of individual uh, independence, you know, this, the idea of individual autonomy. And so the, the notion of our complete dependence upon God, while we can, I think, mentally, you know, most Christians, I, I would believe, if you ask them, are you dependent upon God? They would, they would say, absolutely, I'm dependent upon God. But if we really looked at our lives, is that the reality of our life? Is my life an expression of dependence upon God? Or is my life an expression of dependence upon God only in those moments of brokenness when I'm confronted with something that I knowingly can't deal with? You know, I can't heal myself or whatever it might be that I'm confronted by. Is that the only thing that, in, that compels a sense of dependence? I have to admit when... I had COVID a couple of years ago and spent 10 days in isolation and then another couple of weeks in the hospital and, and then recovery time after all of that. I, I drew in closer to the Holy Spirit during that season than maybe in any time in my whole life because it's, I had nothing else. Right. And my wife couldn't visit. My children couldn't visit. 23 hours a day, I was alone in intensive care and then in my own. Then after intensive care, even in the, in the regular room, still in isolation. And that, especially during the, the time when I did not know if I was going to live or die, I had doctors tell me <laughs> that, I needed God. I knew I was dependent upon God literally for breath. But most of the time, I don't know that that's, in all honesty, my bent on life. And I confess that that's a, that's a hard area to be that persistent, that, that desiring of the presence of God, to lean in, that much dependence upon God, that I, I think what I say today probably isn't any different than most people who are listening. It's... um. I wonder if we ever would get to the place where we pray so much that it almost bothers God, like in this <laughs> story. I mean, it's not the same. God's not an unjust judge, you know, who doesn't care about, you know, God or people or anything like that. But it's a, a, that picture of that kind of longing for a relationship, longing for God, longing for God to meet our needs and to make us who God wants us to be. Yeah. That's... That's not every day in life. Yeah. And that's the question that, uh, you know, I'm confronted with in my own life. Am I beating down heaven's doors ultimately and, and crying out to God 
uh, for my life to, to grow in the knowledge and love of Jesus Christ. Um, I mean, is that really at the, the heart, the root of my, my prayer life, uh, that I would be a reflection of Christ and in, in everything that I do recognizing my dependence upon the spirit to, to change and to transform my heart. If I'm going to bear the fruit of the spirit, uh, this I'm pretty dependent. I would think on the spirit to uh, manifest that, that fruit in me. And so is, is that the life I'm living? Is that the prayer? Uh, is that the, the nature, the character of my prayer life? And admittedly it's not, it's what it needs to be, but admittedly it's not. Brother, would you, would you pray for all of us about this topic that we've been talking about, that the going after God, having mustard seed faith, persistent prayer, as we are in the now and not yet kingdom? Yeah. yeah. Father, I confess, I'm the first to confess, Father, that I have not, uh, I have not been persistent uh, in prayer that my life has not been the expression of dependence that, that you desire, uh, Father, that I would be more fully shaped by the work of the Spirit, molded, Lord God, more fully into the image of Christ, renewed into the image of Christ. And I, I'll lift uh, all those, those followers of Christ that, that might be listening, and I pray, I pray, Father, that the Spirit would move upon our hearts and our minds, Lord God, Bend our hearts near to your heart. That our hearts, Lord, would be more fully captured by your redemptive love. That we would be moved, Father, by the power and the presence of, of the Spirit, Lord God, to be persistent in prayer, to be persistent in crying out to you in the presence of our own brokenness, in the presence of the brokenness of this world, Lord God, the things that we are confronted with. Uh, when we long, Lord God, for uh, the justice of your kingdom to be made manifest uh, here on earth, Lord, that we would long for uh, for your for your will to be done on earth. And uh, so, Father, in all things, uh, just put it upon our hearts, put it upon our minds, Lord God, that we would be just dropped to our knees, uh, Lord. And uh, as this widow came and and pestered this judge. May we come with that same persistence, uh, Lord God, knowing that we're going to be received and embraced, uh, not by some like like some burdened judge, but we're going to be embraced uh, by our loving Father to know, Lord God, that you uh, your arms are extended to us and you long for us, Lord God, uh, to curl up in your arms and to make our requests known uh, to you that our hearts, that our lives, that our minds, Lord God, be, would be transformed and changed for the sake of your glory. In Christ's name, amen. 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 Folks, if you want to learn more about the life of Jesus, go to our church's website, fishersumc.org, in our church app, and click on the Life of Jesus link. You'll find more elements to this year-long study in the life of Jesus. And we hope that you can just pick up where we are Go in now and grow more and more in Christ. May God bless you all. Mm-hmm.